listening to a podcast from GravityChurch.com, Lodi, California. Good evening. How are you guys? Well, that's kind of pathetic, but I guess you guys are all there. The last few weeks we've been discussing this radical concept of God's glory. What does that look like? What does that feel like? How do we interact with that? we've come to realize is that at its very essence, glory is one of those things that truly reflects a person or a thing, a creator of something. And in our instance, when we're talking about the glory of God, we're talking about how God's glory can be seen in everywhere. His reflection can be seen in everything. We found that in Romans it says, everything comes from God and everything exists by his power and it's intended for his glory. That's a crazy thought when you think about it because there's a lot of bad stuff in the world, isn't there? There's a lot of jacked up stuff that when we look at, we're just like, how does God have anything to do with that? Because it doesn't look like what I would think God would be like if God is supposedly good. And we talked about this, and last week we talked about the fact that even in suffering and in pain and in our loss, that God's glory can be seen. We use the analogy of what it would be like if you walked into the middle of a movie that was playing and you walked in 10 minutes late. How you'd be trying to catch up with the plot. You'd be trying to figure things out. You'd be trying to come to a place of, of understanding what couldn't be understood because you missed the beginning, right? Your context would be all jacked up. Just leave it. Um, the context of that movie in your mind and in your life would be hard for you to understand, right? When we look at our lives and we see where we sit here tonight and we look at how long our journey on this planet has been, some of us have been here 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, whatever age we are here tonight, we look at this period of time in our life and we look at all of the circumstances, we look at the cards we've been dealt, we look at the family that we came from, we look at all the relationships, we look at everything, and then we say, okay, God, how can this be good when there's been so much pain and there's been so many things that have happened that have not been good. But when we can step back, and we can step back further even then, and we begin to realize is that our life, in a lot of ways, is like walking into that movie late, or like picking up a book and starting to read it in the middle of the book. We don't understand everything that's happening. And you and I find ourselves in the middle of God's story. In our lives, we are in the middle of God's story, and sometimes it doesn't make sense. And that's the truth. Sometimes it just doesn't make sense today. But as we look at this thing called glory, and we look at this thing that that God shows us who he is, there's this amazing thing that starts to happen. We begin to trust him. We begin to know him. We begin to be able to allow him to have the place in our life that even though we can't make sense of everything today, we can trust that at some point it will all come clear. 
We talked last week about this coming event that many of us really don't think about very often. And that coming event actually is what many people refer to as the big day. This is like the day when Christ comes back. This is the day when we get to experience a major part of the story of God being written. And last week we talked about, we talked about this sense of what will make sense when Christ returns for us. And how so many of the questions that you and I carry around in our hearts that we want answers for will be answered on that day. And so tonight I want to start our talk by asking you a question. Have you ever been in a place in your life when you were actually anticipating something good that was going to happen, but you had to wait for it? If, if those of you that have uh, had the, the experience of being married before can remember back to the planning of your wedding day, there was a sense of anticipation. Matter of fact, in the day of Facebook, I've got a cousin who just got married, and it was absolutely, positively disgusting to watch them do their pre-wedding lovebird stuff for the whole World Wide Web to watch. I mean, it was like moment-by-moment moment countdowns going on. It's like, okay, baby, we've only got 27 days, 6 hours, and 23 seconds until you're mine. And I'm just like, what are you doing? This is for everybody to see, you know? But that anticipation that they were feeling, it was a pretty cool thing, and we were all just kind of privy to it. But that anticipation, it really is a powerful thing. Anticipation is something that when you feel it inside of you, it motivates you. It causes you to respond to life around you in ways that you wouldn't if you weren't looking forward to something, that you wouldn't if you weren't in a place of expectancy or looking forward to what was to come. I want to share with you a scripture in the book of Ephesians as we talk about this thing called anticipation or expectancy. In Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 3, it says, How we praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we belong to Christ. Listen to this. Long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave him great pleasure. This idea of God looking forward to the day when you and I would become a part of his family is a crazy concept when you think about it, that God actually anticipated something. Now, when you read this scripture, and there's tons of scripture that talks about this fact that God was looking forward to the day when this, this plan of his would come about. But the beautiful thing about this scripture is that it shows clearly that God's love was shown to us. It was shown to us ahead of time. It was actually shown to us before it was needed. It was actually shown to us before we were ever even born. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about showing love to somebody, it's usually one of these things to where I know 
why I'm showing the love. There's, there's an emotional connection. There's something going on inside of my heart that causes me to want to show that love to somebody. And Scripture says that God actually showed it before we were even thought of, before we were even around. His love was preemptive. His love was ahead of time. A few years back, we as a country went through um, something that was very challenging for us, and it is still going on to this day. And the, the, the situation that we encountered was a situation where our nation actually went to war. We went to war over in Iraq, and it doesn't matter where you fall in the political spectrum, whether you're this side or this side, or whether you agree with it or disagree with it. I don't, I don't really care to go into any of that stuff with you tonight. But the concept that was so crazy was that we felt as a nation that we were going to go and we were going to engage in war without being provoked necessarily. And the word that they used for it was preemptive. They said, we're going to have a preemptive strike against a nation that we believe wants to harm us, that wants to do something to us, and we want to do it ahead of time. We want to do something about it before we have to do it. Now, when you think about that term, preemptive, and when you think about something in context of a war or something that's kind of difficult or something that's kind of negative, you can kind of wrap your head around it. You can kind of understand this idea of doing something ahead of time, but even before it's actually necessary. But when you think about God's love, when you think about God showing his love to you and me preemptively, doing it before we were ever even born, I don't know about you, but that changes things for me. That shakes me up inside to think that God in his mercy and God in his understanding of what was to come had a plan that took into consideration not just what I would need before I needed it, but that he actually felt love for me before I even existed. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 6, it says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time, and he died for us sinners. It says, now no one is likely to die for a good person, though someone might be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Christ showed his love for us while we were still sinners. Now, you and I are conditioned as people, and especially in this world that we live in, we are conditioned to perform acts of kindness based upon somebody else responding to us in a kind manner. In other words, if I knew in my heart that if I showed love to you that there was no chance in the world that you would change and show love back to me, I got to be real with myself to say, I don't know that I would put myself out there and show you love. That's the truth. I don't know if I would do a kind gesture for you without knowing that in some way, somehow, I would want it to affect you in a positive way and that you would turn and that you would respond back to me with a, le a gesture of love or kindness or positive response back to me, right? 
You and I, if we're in a relationship with somebody, we learn the rules of the relationship like really quick, right? We understand how to score brownie points. We understand how to do things in such a way to where we, we have a, a relationship that's a give and take. You do this, I'll do this. And there's this give and take. Now, sometimes we're just jerks and we don't play by those rules, but we know what the rules are for the most part. And we know what we could do if we wanted to. But the thing is about God, and when we look at God's love, he truly showed us love, and it was one-sided. He truly showed us love, and he says, I'm going to show you love even if I get nothing in return. If I get nothing from you, you will still be the object of my love. Is that crazy? That's crazy. And here's the thing, is that when God begins to show that love to us, and we begin to see it for what it is, how pure it really is, it causes us to drop our hands, and it causes us to look at our hearts, and it causes us to be humbled and to realize, God, you love me even though I can't do anything back. That's humbling. And as that love begins to fill our hearts, that love begins to, to come out of us and it begins to affect the people in our life. And the next thing you know, we begin to show love to other people and expect nothing in return. And you know that you're not like that, right? I know I'm not like that. I know that that kind of love is not something I was born with. That is not something that I picked up reading a book. That is not something that I see when I look around society. That kind of love is from a different place. That kind of love is foreign to me. And that's why when that kind of love grabs a hold of me, I know that it's God. I know that that is not a human kind of love. And it blows me away. It blows me away. In Matthew chapter 25, I want to share with you a story. And this is a story that talks about some people and a unique situation that they're in. And as we talk about this concept of God anticipating us and this relationship that he wanted to have with us, this is a perfect story that illustrates that anticipation. It says in verse one, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and they went outside to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five of them were wise. The five who were foolish took no oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all laid down and they went to sleep. But at midnight, they were roused by a shout. Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and welcome him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. And then the five foolish ones asked the others, would you please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out? But the others replied, we don't have enough oil for all of us. You're going to have to go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy the oil, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. And the door was locked. 
Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling out, Sir, open the door for us. But he called back, I don't know you. So this is the punchline that Jesus says. So stay awake and be prepared because you do not know the day or the hour of my return. This is a story about anticipation. This is a story about 10 people who were in a place in their life that they knew something was going to happen, but they didn't know when. And the story that Jesus uses is is an illustration. It's not a real story. It's a parable. And Jesus says, I want you to think about the different ways that you can live while you're waiting for this event to take place, while you're anticipating this future coming event that I promise you is going to take place. And then he begins to divide these people up and he says, some of them were wise and some of them were foolish. And then he begins to describe them. He says, they were getting ready for a wedding. They were getting ready to meet somebody that they were going to be married to. And Jesus uses this, all this illustration to, to talk about one event and one point. And the event that he says, I want you to know is coming, was him coming back for us. For him returning to the earth and coming to get his bride. That's the event that he wanted us to remember. But the second thing is he says, I want you to anticipate it. Now, this anticipation thing and this idea of God's preeminent love, preemptive love, go back to the beginning before you and I were here. And the Bible says that God looked ahead and he saw this event down the road in time. And he says, I can't wait for that day when I get to be with you. That's God's heart. God's heart here tonight is he says, I can't wait for the day when each one of you will be able to be with me. I'm anticipating it. I'm planning for it. I'm, I can't stand the, the time it's going to take. I'm looking forward to this because this is what it's all about. That's God's heart. He's saying, I want you so bad to be with me. And so then he hears, uses a story and he says, now tell me, what does your heart say? Are you ready for it? Are you anticipating it? Are you looking forward to it like I am? Are you looking forward to the day down the road when we're going to come together and this world that doesn't make sense will suddenly make sense? That all of the injustices that have been done throughout history, justice will finally be completed? Can you taste it? He says, are you one of these bridesmaids that's got your oil ready? Are you standing at the door, looking at the road, waiting for me to come by and call your name? Because he says, I am. I am, I'm anticipating that day. I want you to anticipate that day too. And I can't think of a better story than this for us to get that understanding that there's a husband, there's a groom that is looking for his bride and he cannot wait to see her. He's so excited for that wedding day. And we people If you call yourself a follower of Christ, the Bible says that we truly have become like a bride to Christ. And that day will come when we will greet him as a groom and a bride come together. And I hope that your heart is full 
of anticipation. But the reality is, is that some of you are not anticipating that day. Matter of fact, if I were to ask you, when you think about the Lord's return, are you full of fear? Or are you full of anticipation? Some of you would have to say, you know what, I'm scared. I don't know that I want that day to come. I get that. I get that. I remember that there was a time in my life when I didn't know if I wanted that day to come either. I was scared. There was also a part of me that was really selfish. I can remember being younger and thinking, I got a whole life to live. I don't want God to come back yet. It's kind of selfish, really, but it was where I was at. But the cool thing about life is that everything comes down to perspective. You know what gives us perspective? It's experience. The difference between somebody who's mature and somebody who's immature, it really is perspective. We can all look at the same circumstances in life. I can look at your life. You can look at my life. And if you've been through what I'm going through right now, you're going to look at me and you go, you know what, Jason? It's, it's going to be okay. It's not that bad. I know because I've been there. I've done it. I've gone through it. And you're going to make it. See, your experience gives you perspective. That's how it is when we think about Jesus. That's how it is when we think about his return. Our experience with God gives us that perspective that we need. And the more that I live my life connected with Jesus, the more perspective I get and the more I can't wait for that day to come. I anticipate it. That preemptive love that Jesus showed to me, I truly have come to the place now to where I realize he wants me to show it to others. See, you and I think, I will love you because I think that if I do, you will love me back. But Jesus said, do unto others whatever you would like them to do to you. You guys know the golden rule, right? Jesus says, do unto others whatever you would like them to do to you, not do unto others what you think they will do back in return. There's a completely different twist that Jesus brings. Jesus says, I want you to do it first. I want you to show love often. I want you to go before anybody else. And I want you to show everybody else what it looks like. I want you to show other people what the love that I have planted inside of your heart looks like before you deserve it, before you could earn it. I want to show you what that love looks like. In the book of 1 John, in chapter 4, there's a great verse that talks about the love of God. And it talks about its role in our life with each other. I want to read this to you. It says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. And anyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Look at these words with me. But anyone who does not love 
does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This, this is real love. It's not that we loved God, it's but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, then God lives in us, and his love has been brought to full expression through us. And God has given his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. And furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and can now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And all who proclaim that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in him. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment when we face him. But we can face him with confidence because we are like Christ here in this world. You see what that says? It says that we can face him with confidence because we are like him. Here's where the rubber meets the road for you and me. That, that scripture right up there, it says right there, God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. When we get real with ourselves, when we get real with our thoughts, when we get real with our hearts, when we get real with each other, when we get real with the people in our life that we, that we have relationships with, there has to come this place to where we open ourselves up to allow others to tell us the truth about us. See, it's one thing for me to stand here in front of you guys and say, I got love inside of my heart. Oh, it's just oozing out of me. But it's another thing for you to go talk to my wife or my children or my friends and to say, what's Jason really like when he doesn't have a microphone in his hand? It's a whole different deal. And we all got to go through that deal. We can't put on this facade, this fake thing, because if God's love is in us and we're trying to fake people out and we're trying to fake ourselves out, my friends, the day is coming when we will face Jesus and it should not be a day that you are looking forward to with fear, but it's a day that you should be looking forward to with anticipation. And the only day, only way you're going to look forward to that day is if you are becoming more and more like him. And that confidence builds inside of you because you're just like, God, I cannot wait for this to be a done deal. You know how I look at it now? I look forward to that day when Jesus comes back. And I look forward to it like the day when he comes and just finalizes the paperwork, man. It's like the deal is done and I can't wait to see him because all that's left is the red tape. Come back and get this thing over with because this world is a mess and I'm ready for some peace. I'm ready for it to be done. I anticipate that day. In a couple minutes, I'm going to have the band come back up, and we're going to, we're going to go through a, a spiritual exercise together tonight. 
of taking communion. But before we do that, I want to say something to you. And I want you to see these words in front of you. And I want you to let them hit your heart in a really deep place. It says, God's glory is seen by loving us before we thought we deserved it, before we even tried to gain it or to earn it. He saw us before we were ever born and he knew that we would need it. So he loved us. Look at those words. We've been talking about the glory of God. We've been talking about how God gives us glimpses of his glory everywhere that we look. We've been talking about how we can go through literal pain and suffering and devastation in our life. We've talked about the people that we know who are sick in their bodies and they're dying. We've talked about the people who have lost loved ones. I've got two friends this last week that died just that fast. I, there is pain and suffering all around us. And yet God gives us glimpses of his glory everywhere that we look. In the middle of the pain, in the middle of the suffering, God can be seen. And it all started, my friends, because God saw us ahead of time. God knew you and I needed something ahead of time. Before we did anything to earn it, before we even thought we could earn it, God showed us that kind of love. Ian, would you guys come? Every week we come to these tables and we take this piece of bread that we know represents the broken body of Jesus. As a matter of fact, the very last time that Jesus had a meal on this earth, the Bible calls it the last, or, or we call it the last supper, literally in their culture, it was a Passover meal. It was a celebration of the Jewish people of coming together and to celebrate this monumental event in their country and in their nation's history of God showing himself in their life to be real. And every single time that they would get together for this Passover meal, their, their ritual was that they would have a lamb and they would eat and they would sacrifice and they would, they would eat this lamb together. But you know that when Jesus had the last meal with his disciples and he got together with them, there was no lamb for them at the table. Jesus was telling them, guys, I am the lamb for you. And this time it's going to be different. Instead of us getting together and, and, and cooking this, this animal and eating it and partaking it, this time I want you to look at me and I want you to see me as the lamb that is going to do it once and for all for you. And then he takes it a step further and he says, when I leave you, I want you to come back to this table often and I want you to think about what I'm going to do for you. I'm getting ready to set you free once and for all from your sins and I don't want you to forget it. And so Jesus said, to remember me, it's easy. I want you to take bread and this represents my body and then I want you to take the juice or the wine and I want you to put them together and the wine represents the blood that I'm about ready to shed for you guys. And he says, 
Take this and remember me. And so we do it every week. We come to these tables because I don't know about you, but over the course of a seven-day stretch in my life, there's a bunch of crap that can happen. And I need a fresh start every single week. So I come back to these tables and I say, Jesus, over and over, let me realign my heart and let me remember you and focus on you, the Lamb of God that took away the sin of the world once and for all. And so you come tonight in whatever condition you are at, whatever state your heart is in, and then go and find a place of prayer. Find a place where you can be real with God. Come to these steps. Go back to your seat. But don't rush through this time. This is a time when God wants to seal the deal in your heart of the things that he's been speaking to you tonight. Give him the time that it takes as we do this together. You've been listening to GravityChurch.com. 